0: or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. On today's episode, I speak with James Olivia, who shares with us their process of self-inquiry to help us learn how much power we actually have over our experiences.
1: The questions are there. So how can I use them in service to starting a conversation or like sharing my process in, in a way that takes care of me?
0: Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind soon healed myself of many chronic conditions, and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences, as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now.: This was a really fun um, episode because James Olivia is just wonderful to sit with, um, just beautiful person inside and out. And I think what, what but, you know what really led me to their work, uh, and you'll hear me say I don't know how I found it but it's so invitational and I'm going to read a couple of their uh, posts of inquiry that I read on Instagram. Beloved human, part of the work of liberation is freeing ourselves of the foundational misunderstanding that love and obedience are the same thing. Where do I grasp at certainty with such fervor that I forgo freedom? Where do I expect my leaders, teachers, mentors, parents, healers, coaches, and guides to say, do, and be for me what I wish myself to say, do, and become? And then my favorite as someone who teaches about fawning is this one. Where do I withhold myself and what I have? My desires and feelings? My thoughts and imagination? My questions and decisions? My yes and my no, in an attempt to render myself, quite literally, inconsequential. Their questions of inquiry are subtle, yet so deep. Even take a step back, rewind, listen to those questions again, and pause after I ask each one, and just notice what happens in your body. What answers emerge? ones that you might not want to hear or ones that are really refreshing to hear. What sensations or experiences or people or memories resurface? Self-inquiry for me is the most powerful way next to embodiment that there is to heal trauma. And though James Olivia doesn't speak about healing trauma, I can speak for their work as a trauma therapist that self-inquiry is really, really, uh, powerful and effective. Why? Because the self becomes over-identified with the traumatic experiences we endure. For instance, if we, um, have sexual trauma that may become an identity. Our self, our very big, expansive, multidimensional, ever-changing being may get locked into an identity based on a traumatic experience. And when we have an identity that matches a traumatic experience, we have a trauma identity, which means we have a somatic experience to our own being. Our own being and how we see it and identify it becomes traumatizing to our bodies. Self-inquiry helps us slowly take these layers of identity and judgment and rules off of us so we can get back to that multidimensional place that's much more expansive and freer. And for those of you that follow my work, you know expansion feels really threatening when you've been traumatized because the physiological state of trauma is constriction. It's armoring up to brace for an impact that might occur, opening up And releasing that armor feels very counterintuitive to the traumatized body. It feels like you're opening yourself up to get hurt. So by practicing embodiment and self-inquiry, we're able to build the capacity to have the expansion that self-inquiry gives us. I'll let you listen to this interview for yourself and see what arises. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, James, Olivia, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me here. I'm I'm a little bit nervous and excited. So if it feels a little <laughs> zingy and too fast in this first moments, that's where I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm feeling, I think it's my excitement too. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you there. You know, I was drawn to your work. I, I have no idea how I found it. Um, you know it feels like cloud magic you know because when I go to it it's like this really calm almost like faded font and beautiful backgrounds all silvery and so somehow you're you're, you've vaporized into my life somehow and (laughs) (laughs) and you know your work is so beautiful and so so subtle but when you actually take it in it's so deep and um I was just so happy to have you here so I could get to know you a little bit and talk about some of the things you say.
1: Oh, that's, thank you for describing my work that way because that's not how I, um, that's not how I picture myself. Like, that's not the energy that I bring in real life. I don't think, I don't consider myself particularly subtle. <laughs> but I like this silvery cloud magic. I'm just going to go with it and try it on for today.
0: <laughs> oh it's it's working. <laughs> it's working for me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's funny you say that cuz um I'm I'm like you know we're very multidimensional beings and I, there's this role right of the facilitator or the teacher that a lot of people know and then there's like that human in, in that's that's part of that role. And so I when people hang out with me, you know they start to see I have this extremely loud laugh and I get have this like Puerto Rican attitude and like all this stuff comes out. This just does not come out when <laughs> I'm teaching.
1: <laughs> so, it doesn't. <laughs> no, so
0: that stuff, doesn't. you just
1: sort of like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you the loud part.
0: Right. It's not even conscious. It's just the role of teaching is is so settling for me that I just feel so settled. So I'm just relating when you said you don't see yourself that way. When I when oh. I look at my own posts, I'm like, wow, it's not. I wonder if they see me. <laughs>
1: That's funny. I'm thinking about myself as a facilitator and when I teach and now everything being home, like everything being on Zoom for the last year and for me before that, but now with um, my partner also being home, he'll walk by and afterwards he'll go, I heard you teaching and you're very passionate and powerful. And I don't think people expect that from you, given your Instagram posts. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of yelling, huh? And he's like, yeah, a little bit.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I, you know, I don't even know where to start. So I'm just going to kind of start. Let's,
1: I, yeah, let's go. Let's,
0: let's go. <laughs> I'm curious. I just want to know about you first. Like, what, 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 I know it's such an insane <laughs> question, but what brought you? to this point, you know, of the work you do. And so it's kind of a two-part question, the work you do mm-hmm. and what brought you there.
1: Um I love words. I think they mean things. <laughs> and I have never thought this before. I've never had this thought. This is wild to be asked this question in this way at this time. I don't consider myself a poet. I don't write Poetry. I think in order to be a poet, you have to actually be writing poetry or like attend to that in some way. But I, I think that poetry has contributed to me being here, the way that I am and the way that I do the work that I do. Um, you can't tell from talking to me in real time that I like brevity. <laughs> I prefer it. I don't have access to it in real time but when i'm writing um i do like precision a lot i like um being able to think really clearly through the words that i'm using and so that is a terribly incomplete answer and i think i'm right now looking at myself through the lens that you know me through which is instagram and little squares that have words in them so that's part of it um part of it is lots and lots of really terrible relating for many decades Mm -hmm. (laughs) and having to learn new ways of being in relationship and having to unlearn lots of really um, hideous ways of relating to people that not to judge them, not not to judge myself and like abuse myself for having learned what I learned because it worked for me at the time. And also when, now, as an adult, wanting to have a partnership that's that feels good and is sustainable and is healthy for me and and my sweetie, um, I have to do different things than I learned when I was like seven.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I love your incomplete answer because I think all of our answers are incomplete. You know, and every, everything I say here is incomplete, so... I welcome that open circle that never quite, never quite ends. Thank God really. Um, I'm curious, you know, when you were saying that about, uh, relating, right, yeah. your work is so relational. And, and when I say your work, I should really be, be clear. What I read on Instagram, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> I've never,
0: I've never taken a class of yours. I've never been your client. Um, so I should really say your inquiry, your questions yeah. that, you, that you publish and post for us, they're, they're so relational to the self. Um, and I come from the somatic experiencing world, right? So it's interesting because recently I've been really trying to redefine, like become more precise with these terms that I learned through that lineage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, one of the main terms is regulation. And like there's self regulation, there's co regulation, there's auto regulation. So there's these
1: dysregulation. <laughs> <and, and,
0: laughs> I forgot about that one. And, <laughs> and the big, the big fourth dysregulation, <laughs> the what, what draws us to this work to begin with. And I started qu- recently, question, like kind of asking, I don't know who or what, but something. You know what? What's another word for regulation? Because it just wasn't doing it for me. And I, I got relation and i started feeling oh self relation oh co relation oh disrelation mm-hmm. and it started feeling much more i don't even know um, being rather than object right
1: yeah less mechanical it sounds like like the regulation sounds like a, something that you would do with a car yes <laughs> like the regulator so your regulator is broken
0: I kept feeling, every time I would say to somebody or teach and I would say regulation, something in me would <laughs> and <laughs> jolt. And I think that's, that's not the word I would use. I needed to like find a new one. So I'm saying that because your inquiry is extremely self-relational. And and for me, is so much about, oh, how when I ask that question, what comes up in my body? What am I relating to? What am I not noticing I'm uh, not relating to? What am I neglecting? Is that your intention? I'm curious.
1: Consciously or unconsciously, yes. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm not aware that that's what I'm doing, and and I would say that yes, almost all the time I'm looking at um what is my relationship with myself like, and and therefore all of my other relationships with everyone and everything. Um, there's a a thing that my, my dear friend, Nick Strack says, who, who facilitates conversations with parents and people who are self parenting, reparenting, preparing to parent. Um, the relationship you have your, with yourself defines the relationship you have with your child. And I'm like, yeah, kind of with everything and everyone. So mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, I'm glad you said that because that's what I, you know, when I, again, when I experience your words and I read them and I take them in, it's like this really gentle drop of water hits the well of my being. And then that gentle drop creates such waves depending on what's, what I find, right? So your, your questions are very kind and gentle. And then what's in my body can be turbulent or gentle. Either way, it becomes gentle eventually the longer I sit with it. But that's the piece about your work that I I read on Instagram that really gets me is the self-inquiry piece. Because I find that the uh, phenomenon of inquiring, the experience of inquiring to me is so psychedelic. It's, uh, you know, it's it's not like boring or simple to me. It's so deep to question your own body and your own self and to notice, oh, I'm the witnesser. Like I'm not me. I'm the witnesser of me so far out. And I want to know what your experience <laughs> like. <laughs> I want to know what, you, what is your experience of that? What is that like for you?
1: Okay, I'm going to try not to have long like silent dead air pauses because three different things came up and, and they're like a typewriter jam in my brain. So I'll try and get them out in some sort of flow without getting stuck in my mouth. Um, I don't work backwards. Cause now there's only two, one of them flew out the window of my mind already. So that's good. I'm, we've pared it down. <laughs> so one of them is being the witnesser to the self. Um, this may or may not be exactly what you're talking about, but there's, there's a thing. And I was just talking about this with my people in disobedience school last night, and it'll probably come up again Um Every week, because that's what I (laughs) do—is repeat myself a lot. (laughs) Um, But this movement from being the the object to being the subject, and so I guess that dovetails right into the other thing that I was thinking as you were saying um, these these gentle inquiries. I don't think they were always so gentle. I think even a year ago. They weren't phrased as um, self-inquiry. They were were definitely externalized as you. Like, where do you do this? What do you think about this? Where are you? Like, how are you attending to whatever? And that, I realized, was none of my fucking business. Mm. Like... (laughs) It's like, oh, am I really asking anybody else this question? Um, <laughs> like, do I want the answer? Do I want anybody coming to me with the answer? And yes, I am that nosy. I would love for people to come to me with the answer <laughs> because I want to hear it. And it is also none of my business. Mm. Um, and all of these questions were for me. And so I started phrasing them differently um, because they were easy to get out externalized pointed at somebody else they're harder to ask when I'm asking them of myself and I think I had to make them more gentle so that I could ask myself it's Mm -hmm. so easy to interrogate the other Mm. like it's it's fun it's so grandiose (laughs) Mm.
0: I love that I'm just taking that in for a minute because there's there's times when I when I write something that's directed toward the you Mm-hmm. And while I'm writing it, I'm aware this is so for me, like, like, <laughs> I like you say grandiose, because there's a part of my ego that's like, I want this to be a bit triggering. So I'm making it about the you, you know, I want it to be grandiose and, and you know, accusatory and all those things. But I, I really am more drawn to that, that there's a courage to, and I'm saying the word exploit. I don't know why that's coming out but exploit the self, exploit the vulnerability of the self through like a a self-question publicly Mm -hmm. that is so magnetic and invitational. And
2: um, I just really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, there's a... The word exploit, I'm like, oh, oh, that feels like an accusation. And yes and no, because I hear it, I take it in and I go oh yes, I would definitely be exploiting myself if I was sharing all the answers that I'm not ready to share. Um, and I don't think exploit, I don't think extract is what you mean. I think it's more if I'm getting you or I'm seeing you nod. So I think, (laughs) um, that it feels more like, uh, I don't know why use every part of the animal is coming to my mind, but just like, (laughs) or every part of the plant, or, but like, not, not wasting what's there. Like, oh, this is available. And, and how do we use this resource in service to, like, or how do I use this resource in service to what I'm, what I'm going for, which isn't just, hey, let me expose all my raw parts in asking these questions because I don't actually want to answer them in front of everybody. Mm. I'm not particularly private. I just don't like answering in real time. I, I like more time to sit on it. But but the questions are there. So how can I use them in service to like, starting a conversation or like sharing my process and, in a way that takes care of me? So mm. I don't know if I mm. got what you were saying when you said exploit.
0: I think you did. I, I tend to, um, I'll say it, the poet in me tends to use words like that for the sake of transmutation
2: mm-hmm.
0: because I love using like um, something that could almost be like aggressive in a way that turns it into something much more nurturing. And so that, that's where I'm coming from with this. So you, you're completely getting it. Because when you say like, yeah, <laughs> when you're saying use every piece of the animal, every piece of the plant, like waste nothing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's like, um, yeah, there's a generosity there, isn't it?
1: Um, I'll take that. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you're talking about using words like transmuting words. I love throwing out just the like, oh, hey, I have an accusation for you or because it, It is. It's like, oh my gosh, what is, what's about to go on? Or like, let's interrogate that accusations, interrogations, exploitation. Like these words have a, a, can come with a lot of load. It's like, oh, well, this is what I have, but maybe it doesn't have all this load attached to it. And the next time we hear this word or interact with it or engage with it, it doesn't have to be a nervous system flare.
0: Yes. I love that. I really love that. It, you know, I guess, I guess the question I ask, there's a bunch of things I want to ask. I'm having the typewriter moment now. Um, but I did write something down of yours from your website that I wanted to read
2: mm-hmm. and
0: kind of just tell me what it means to you. That feels okay. Oh,
2: God, I hope it's not <laughs> outdated.
0: <laughs> tell <laughs> me if it still her. means anything to you. How about that? <laughs> It's really beautiful. You wrote, I believe the willingness to change is the willingness to live and the willingness to witness others without judgment as they change is the willingness to love. And that's that last part, especially the willingness to witness others without judgment as they change is the willingness to love. What does that mean to you?
1: Oh, okay. Still true. Yay.
2: Um. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome.
1: Um, The first part, the willingness to change. The only thing that I would change about this, because I'm totally willing to change, I might update it with not just the willingness, but the decision. Like willingness is one thing and it's necessary but insufficient. So, um, So the decision to change being the decision to live when we're done changing, we're like, that's it. What else is there? It feels like that's the end. Absolutely. Um, and so that perpetuation of life is, I'm going to say, not everybody has the same feelings about change, but I think it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I think uncertainty is scary and uncomfortable and, it's fun to be right and it's fun to be certain and it's fun to know what's going on. And, um, you know, there we are right back to grandiosity. Like, I know I
2: <laughs> no,
1: we I are. have
0: to ask you about that, that something yeah. came up right when you said that, um, when you said it's, um, it's fun to be right. And to know, mm-hmm. I'm curious in your, in your experience or in your opinion, is it fun or is it comfortable? Like, is it fun or is it safe? Is it fun or familiar?
1: Oh probably more comfortable than actually fun. I think there's a fun, there can be fun in the short term. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's satisfying. I don't think it's like ultimately fulfilling or satisfying. It's like the potato chip of relating. (laughs) Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like you just need to keep shoving more and more rightness down your own throat for it to, for the experience to last. And then once the chips are gone, it's like, Oh, well, now I have not nourished myself at all. Um, mm.
0: That's such a good way to put it because um the the experience of being right it serves that ego in this temporary yeah. way. Um, but you know biochemically, it really gives you a hit, you know, for a moment. So there's yeah. this real addictive quality, right to the ego story, yeah and then a withdrawal as you lose the ego story, have you come to find that since? you i'm i'm projecting onto you right now but (laughs) (laughs) you can correct me but since you've done this work and you hold space for people and you watch and you you practice yourself are you at a place where you really look forward to change like as it's happening even when it hurts are you like this is great are you there are you somewhere else like how do you experience it
1: Sometimes, sometimes not like just this morning. I, I have a little, um, it's sitting next to me now. I have a little dish of food <laughs> that I haven't finished and I put it on an uneven, like there's stacks at my desk is just, it's there. It's like a tornado hit the area of my desk. And I put my food on something uneven and my spoon flipped up. And normally that would like, Oh my God, food's going to go everywhere. Like there's it's going to be a terrible mess. And I was kind of in a hurry. I was like, I'm eating, but I'm also going to take a shower and I'm going to come back and finish eating and I'm going to get on this call. And the spoon flipped up. And my typical response is to look for something to blame. Mm. It's, this is one of my go-tos is I really like, that's one of the places that I find certainty is like, oh, I know where the fault lies. That's um, that's a really easy go-to place for me. and. I had a really surprising thought that I didn't expect. I was like, oh, thank God gravity's working.
2: Mm. <laughs> like,
0: oh, I love it.
1: And I didn't know where it came from. And I was like, oh, that's new. Like every once in a while, I'll have one of these thoughts. And it's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to blame anyone or anything. Um, I don't even know if I'm answering your question right now. I just saw my food sitting here. In the-
0: <laughs> that answers my question. It does because it's, it's a great example of like we hear that term radical acceptance or loving what is, and mm-hmm. i my mind thinks of i don't know if you know the work of Byron Katie, but I think of like the turnarounds and and so it's kind of like the it, it, what you just did very naturally when you said, Oh gravity's working it's what I call like attuning to what feels what feels good or what's right in the moment, mm-hmm. so you, you know we can attune to what's wrong, like oh god the he shouldn't have put this book here, <laughs> you know? and then, and then it's like like you said, there's this certainty and blame, which I love that awareness. But then if you attune to what's right, like oh, gravity is working. It's such an you're like in relationship with the food falling, aren't you? <laughs> and that's what gets psychedelic for me. Yeah, like can I be in a healthy relationship to the food falling onto the floor, or am I abusive with the food falling to the floor? Right, it's so intense. Yeah, there's
1: there's a grapple that I have. I'm still, I think, you know, one, one foot in one paradigm and one foot in the other. And I'm really looking forward to committing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm there yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And I'm willing sufficient or necessary, but insufficient. Um, to this idea that I have so much say in my own experience <laughs> Like, oh, that's the thing. That was the thing about the food is I was going to, so some of the times what I blame is just myself, like, oh, my body is so clumsy or like, I don't have a whole lot of spatial awareness a lot of the time. Um, and it it gets frustrating sometimes and, and I'll go to like, oh, I'm so clumsy. And it wasn't, oh, I'm so clumsy. It was like, yes, I'm clumsy and gravity is working. Um, and so this, Having these experiences of having just such an amazing amount of influence over what I'm going through. It doesn't mean that food didn't fall. It didn't mean that I wasn't clumsy. It doesn't mean that I don't have this whole like lifelong history of, of a habituated blame response. Uh, I still have all these things. All these things are still true, and a lot of other things are also true. And where I attend influences the kind of experience that I'm having. And I I grapple with sharing how much power we have. Knowing that there are folks who are like, yeah, no, I don't. No, I don't have that much power. And and the irony of that, the irony of declaring how little power we have to influence not the things that are happening around and to us things actually are happening to us things are happening around us like there is gravity there is oppression people do awful things to one another and there's this sovereignty of mind and of experience Mm that um this is where I grapple I don't want to I don't want to argue with anyone about that. And I do. (laughs) (laughs) I think I really do, but I don't.
0: (laughs) My heart is just like fluttering right now, like open, like opening and fluttering. Um, Just because it's so, it's so, uh, it reflects my deepest feelings and everything you just said. Because I I really have the distinct, the privilege of a lot of... um, of how do I say this I have the privilege of being traumatized and then moving through that yeah right like once you move through it it's like it's it's incredible um and what you're saying about the grappling I really respect because I don't want to proselytize my healing um However, my love for people, I want to share the secret. <laughs> and that's that secret, you know, that you're talking about, something I see all the time um, with individuals and with myself, which is this, this horrible thing happened, correct? You could be oppressed, you could be assaulted, you could be hated. I mean, things definitely happen, yeah. no, no doubt. And then how did I respond in my mind to myself and to my world from what happened? And, and those are like, that. that's like such um, a subconscious, unconscious place for most of us. Because when these painful things happen, we're not in our bodies, we're in a trauma response. We don't even know that we had that moment of now making meaning, right? And this is what I'm hearing you say, but I'm just checking in. Is that, do you get that? Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Yes. I, I think what we're both aware of and sensitive to is that people hurt, (laughs) like that's real, that things are happening that, that are painful, um, and, and unjust and, um, and sometimes just neither just nor unjust, just painful. Um, and, this is where I think your work is. Um, everything that I've seen from you on Instagram, like these, I watch your videos. I eat dandelion leaves now from the backyard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I was actually talking with someone about one of your videos, how you were talking about the experience of of expansion and feeling safe in the body. In and of itself, can feel can be an unsafe state. Like if that's where you're, that's where you are when you're traumatized, I'm paraphrasing you probably terribly. So no,
2: you're doing, you're doing, you're doing
0: great link, so far
1: <laughs> to link back to your own <laughs> video and clean up what I'm, <laughs> what I'm miss, miss teaching here. But like having this, this state of relaxation and calm and expansion can feel like, oh, that's the threat state. Like that's the state where all the shit's going to go down. So I, I have to be braced for impact. And I was watching, Ben and I were watching this video and I was like, oh my God, I, I had told him probably four or five years ago. I was like, I feel like I'm always braced for impact. Like I just, Mm. I feel like I'm just holding so much tension in my body and I don't know why, but it feels like if I let go, something might, come at me. And when I watched your video, like four or five years later, I'm like, holy shit, that's it. That's, that's exactly that sensation. And, and since then, I just totally took us on the left turn. I don't even know where we came from, but I'm going to keep going if that's all right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But since then I take little moments throughout my day and I'm like, oh, what would it be like if I just took a deep breath and expanded for Like I don't even have, that's not where I have to end up. I can just do this for a few seconds and then I can go back. That'll be fine. Like I'll just practice it for a few seconds and then come back. Speaking of coming back though, I don't even know where we just came from. Oh, it
0: doesn't matter. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love where we are. I love where we are because you're you're speaking to the somatics of what you just said previously. And now I'm going to, I get to paraphrase you poorly now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you, didn't, you didn't paraphrase me poorly, by the way. But you said something to me 15 minutes ago or so that was like um, noticing how much choice you had in the matter. It was something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, you know, if you remember your words, you can cut me off. But
1: That's <laughs> close enough. I'm, I'm okay. with
0: you. <laughs> okay. Now that's important to me because the somatics of that are expansive, so to to know, like oh my gosh, oh you were saying about committing to the, the the other paradigm, to be able to fully commit to the food can fly into the air and get over everything, and it could be the perfect response of clumsiness and gravity, and there could be the sweetness to that. That that's an expansive state, so it's really about like I have to have capacity to even feel expansion if I'm going to be in this like relationship with things all the time, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. So now where my mind is going is I don't know when that video was. If you remember, it was probably a couple of weeks ago or time what is that? And um <laughs> Correct. So it may have been a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago, I don't know. But that has been a sort of little pop-up practice in my day now. It's like, okay, just relax for a second. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, that perhaps that few weeks or months or whatever of attending to that opened opened up the possibility to have a chickpea in the air and not freak out.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. I'm just so glad you're sharing it that way because I love for people listening to really understand the relationship between self inquiry and somatic embodiment because when you put the two together it's incredible it's so gooey and delicious <laughs> and terrifying <laughs> it's like so many amazing things happen so i it like when i was saying it feels like a drop into the well in my body like to me that's that's that that beautiful relationship between mind and body. There's this like communion of of sensation between this ether world of language and thought and the earth world of body. It's very magical, isn't it?
1: Magical I think is exactly the right word for it for me. I, a thing that I have come to recently is that everything doesn't have to make sense for me to, um, not just everything doesn't, let me be more specific, I don't have to make sense,
0: oh, I love that
1: in order to regard myself mm. um, which I get kind of emotional, even just saying it because it's fairly new in the last few months for me to to even have that um, idea as something that I'm willing to commit to mm. <laughs> like oh yeah you don't you don't have to be logical all the the math doesn't have to add up, the machinery doesn't have to run smoothly <laughs> like. Mm. Everything doesn't have to make sense. I don't have to make sense, and there's magic that's holding it all together. I don't have to do this myself.
0: Mm. I just want to pause and let everyone feel that for a minute because that's very it's very healing to take that in for oneself. My mind goes right to my my developmental years when I was developing in an intersex body, and just that. Such a beautiful little piece of medicine for that person. Like you, your body doesn't even have to make sense to you. You're still allowed to love it. This essentially goes into that 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 realm, if you will, of decolonizing the mind. From you know this place of like what I know and what I've adopted from you know hundreds of years of of colonial thinking, especially for you know I'm speaking as an American. Um, I find that so important because. Um, you know, one person I'm going to have on the podcast shortly is um, Dr. Daniel Four. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he does uh, animist psychology. And so he he teaches a lot of psychotherapists and clinicians about animism. And when you just said, I'm not alone doing this, that's such the um, remedy of the modern culture that lives without animism, is like, I'm alone. Whereas, yeah. right this microphone, these plants, the air, everything has this beingness running through it to relate to me. And I'm missing it all if I feel
2: alone.
1: Yeah. Ben and I were actually just talking about this on the, it's weird. I say that I'm not very spatial, but I remember where I am in space when I have conversations. So he was at the like bottom of the stairs and I was at the top of the stairs. I don't know why that matters. <laughs> um, it maybe doesn't. I, oh, I think because we were not, five we were not within five feet of each other, but we were talking about that five foot sort of electromagnetic field that we carry around with us that is part of our being. And he was talking about how how much he doesn't want to go back to spaces like normal from you know the pre-times, pre-COVID times, where working within close quarters to other human beings um, means that he has all this interference and provides interference for other people's mm-hmm. electromagnetic fields, and how nice it's been just to have him and me and our dog in a very close range where we, you know, talking about you
2: know,
1: relation and regulation, but we do a lot of co regulating together, the three of us. Like it's a very, um, I would say, most of the time, very harmonious. Um, like field of, mm. of electromagnetic energy around us. You know, once I start talking, I never really know where we came from.
0: We came from the animism. and
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so there's that, which is sort of the most obvious, right? These other mammals, mm-hmm. like the mammal of my husband and the mammal of my <laughs> dog and the mammal of me. And then the, still obvious but kind of less in our face like the plant behind me or the couple plants in front of me and I see your plants behind you and and sometimes I will just like you know sort of okay okay wow I'm breathing you're breathing thanks you got me like that feels really good um and then I look outside and there are plants outside like there's the tree out there and I I sometimes forget things often i'm gonna say often um so i'm very interested in this in animism i i think about the things that i make with my own hands like i mm-hmm. knit mm. um, so i'm i'm actually working on, i don't know if anybody can see except you i just me. on a That's sweater good.
0: oh wow it's,
1: it's really quite lovely it's gorgeous um,
0: <laughs> i didn't expect that <laughs> <laughs> I expect like a tea kettle, like a warmer.
1: Yeah, tea cozy. <laughs>
0: yeah, tea cozy. That's gorgeous. Wow.
1: Thanks, um, but I make things with my hands, and and even the tools that I use. Like here's, you know, here's some knitting needles, and I, I I think about them. You know, there's the energy and the thoughts that I have when I'm making them. And also the the intentions that I have when I'm handling tools like knitting needles or scissors or the yarn itself or a pen and paper when I'm writing and I have like a different relationship with these things that are useful and as you're talking about you know, decolonizing there's a there's a thing in there for me around um, you know what about the things that don't have immediate usefulness to me that still have their own beingness and I'm mm. um, Like there's a lot of, there's a lot that I take for granted and there's a lot that I ignore and neglect. Um, And I really long for a more beautiful experience with the physical world around me. And I don't attend to it in the way that I would like to. And this is just sort of illuminating that for me. So you'll probably see like a series of questions about this come up on Instagram in the next couple of weeks.
0: (laughs) I look forward to that because when you're saying just now, like I ignore a lot of things or I take things for granted, mm-hmm. I, I, see that, um, I see that again as a subconscious somatic response to low capacity for expansion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I speak from my own experience. Like when I think like, oh my gosh, here's a jar of water. Mm-hmm. Like when I take a moment just to realize I'm holding, there's a jar with water in it. That's insane that I can walk into the other room and get water. And it's clean and it's like local. And so I feel my heart opening. You, you have to really create the capacity if you're going to have gratitude for everything in the room, because there's a lot in the room here for you. Right. It's like, that's a big charge.
1: It's so funny that you mentioned that because water is one of the things that for me, I, I grew up with, um, you know, my Chinese grandmother boiled, who lived in the Bay Area after I was born. Like she and my grandfather came um, to the United States after I was born, but she always boiled their drinking water. So I grew up, you know, and living with them part of the time, and having this relationship with water. Uh, her inheriting this relationship that she had with water—that it must be heated, treated to be safe to drink. And so now, you know, I have also my jar of water and I will often, we have a Brita filter and I also have this relationship of like, yeah, it needs to be treated to be, and even that's not enough. I'm still, but I know that I could drink the tap water. Like I live in upstate New York. I, it's hard and doesn't taste yummy, but I could drink it and, I, and it would nourish me and I would be safe to do so. And I have that thought very often, like what a miracle, like what an absolute miracle and privilege! That water just comes through the house, and I can wash myself with it, and mm. and like I have read about you know Florence Nightingale and, and like the nurses having like, here you have four cups of water today to drink, wash, and you know take care of everything about your body. It's like that's not even enough to keep your body alive. The preciousness of it, like the preciousness of water in Flint. The mm-hmm. preciousness, preciousness of water, um, that that I so often take for granted, and mm-hmm. I have these moments, like these fleeting moments of like, what a miracle, what a mm-hmm. privilege.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, for everyone listening to that, I kind of in, I invite myself and anyone that is interested in just noticing. You know, at the end of this, at the end of this episode, what's what's in my room, what's in my personal space right now. That, that I'm not really taking in and just noticing when we take it in, is it overwhelming? Like, is it overwhelming to feel that? Like I could almost cry when I really go into the fact there's water here. And it, it's like, what would it be like to be that open, um, to have the capacity to feel that gratitude? Like it's my own grandmother in this jar, you know, that's, that's something I, I, I'm really interested in cultivating more of. You know, I could talk to you for days. And I didn't know you lived in Upstate, New York, because I do too. So maybe, <laughs> we, maybe we will talk for days somehow. <laughs> um, you know, I, I want to ask before we have to close about your school. I want to know about this online course. Like, can you explain that? Because people are going to hear this and really resonate with, with your, your being. And I want to know where they can find you and what to expect.
1: Oh, I would love it if people who listen to you and are in community with you come and talk with me. Um, So disobedient school is, it's hilarious that it's called a school. It's not really a school. It's just a conversation. It's just a really long conversation. Um, So disobedient school is, though, if you're already familiar with how I inquire on Instagram, It's just that in real time, in real life with eight other people, me being one of them. So nine of us total in each cohort. And we talk for 16 weeks, like we get together once a week. And for two hours at a time, we look at how we're socialized and conditioned into the rules that we have. Um, what, What are the risks of continuing to obey these rules that we harbor? And I don't know what they are. Like, I don't know what your rules are. Um, any more than you necessarily know what my rules are. And so we have nine people in the room going, Oh, those are your rules. Or like, I hear you talking and it sounds like there, you have a rule about this or a rule about that. Like you hear language like, Oh, I should, or, um, you know, people need to, or like, Mm -hmm. whatever, however we hold these are good people only do this or, you know, only bad people do that. Um, and these ways that we have learned to be good and taken on, um, just a bunch of shoulds and shouldn'ts that correspond with our own social identities and our own conditioning. Um, and really, I'm going to say gently pull back some layers. Cause I don't, I don't have that anybody leaves the space after 16 weeks and is like, yes, I'm a rebel now. <laughs> like, um, yeah. What sometimes we find is, I examined that rule and I examined the risks because my rules aren't the same as yours and my risks and my consequences aren't the same as yours either. And so like I examined the risks and consequences and that's not a risk that I'm willing to take. That's not a consequence that I'm willing to engage with. And so I continue to comply with this rule. Um, Great. Like I would much rather have someone make an informed and intentional decision that takes care of them Mm. than. I'm not here to say like rules are bad Mm -hmm. rules are in and of themselves, neither bad nor good. Um, I think now we're coming full circle to, um, the willingness to witness someone else changes the willingness to love. I, I just love the people who come and talk to me Mm -hmm. and I don't, I want to witness and I want to be with them in their change or their decision not to change. But even in the examination and the decision, that is a change from, from doing things without intentionality or consciousness about what we're up to. So all that to say, I think it's, it's come all the way back to you have so much power in your own experience and how can we, how can we look at that and play with it and enjoy it and use it in service to the kind of relationships that you want to have with yourself and everybody else and in the world. Um, rather than the chickpea flying in the air and falling on the floor and it just happened to you. And that was a terrible thing. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) I love, you know, my mind is going to the place of, Oh, I hope one day they, they have, you know, one class, you know, all throughout middle school and high school and grade school, you know, like a disobedient class, (laughs) like the way way there's gym class. Yeah. I, I love the idea of, um, because when I think of those six, 16 weeks and I think of myself being there, it's like you're really building, you're building that muscle of not um, not boxing yourself for other people and, and having the courage and the kindness to even say out loud what you think you're not allowed to say and then work with what you maybe authentically would say. And I love, I mean, what a gorgeous offering.
1: It's fun. It's really fun, especially with the folks who are like, hey, can I ask a question? And I'm like, oh, we're going to spend 16 weeks where you get to practice not asking permission to ask what mm-hmm. you want to ask. <laughs> like, yes. Because yes. it's a practice. It's not just a, hey, now you know. Go off and be different. It's like practice in here where the stakes are low because right. you're not going to get in trouble. Like yeah, that that getting in trouble reflex is so mm-hmm. strong.
0: I I just want to thank you so much for for coming here and for talking with me. And you're you're someone that I um, definitely want to get to know more and learn more about your work and just um, become a friend. You're, you seem like a wonderful human being.
1: Same. It's mutual. I guess this is the start of being friends.
0: This is the start.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yay.
0: This is how I make all my friends nowadays. <laughs> I just invite them on my, <laughs> my podcast.
1: <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Oh, my goodness. You take really good care, okay?
1: Thank you so much.
0: For more information on James Olivia's work and to take their course, you can go to Instagram and follow them at inquisitivehuman, and that's inquisitive underscore human. Or you can visit their website, inquisitivehuman.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath, and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. For more information on my work, including my online courses and healing circles, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook, where I share weekly philosophies and resources to help you release stress and trauma from your body so that you can live a happier life. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events and the information is
2: right there. Hope to see you there.